This is 542 in the Blue, a podcast discussion of law enforcement history, issues and incidents in the Appalachian Mountains and beyond. We are listened to in 15 different countries around the world, hosted by Scott Lunsford, retired police detective sergeant, author and researcher. Today we have one of my favorite episodes. Scott calls it Victoria's collection of dumb crooks. I prefer to use the term low intelligence criminals, or LIC. Background music used with permission under common license. This is Victoria your producer too. One. Welcome back to 542 in the Blue. As Victoria said, we are looking at issues and incidents that occur in the Appalachian Mountains and beyond that deal with law enforcement history and things dealing with police and crime. Now, Victoria does a lot of our research as well as handling a lot of the technical aspects of what we do and try to produce for you guys. And she has come across, like she said in the intro, a a term that she calls LIC, or Low Intelligence Criminals. A lot of times, most everybody else refers to that as dumb crooks, or a lot of newspapers and a lot of radio stations run their, their dumb crook news, their stories. So Victoria wanted to follow suit, so we have today, for our Shade of Blue story, Victoria's LIC, Low Intelligence Criminals. For example, we have the story of two Rock Hill, South Carolina gentlemen who were arrested by local police after they were found concealing illegal drugs and drug paraphernalia inside their lunchbox. Well, you would think that would be kind of along the lines of maybe a juvenile issue, but no, this is a 20-year-old and a 26-year-old. They were arrested and charged with possession of marijuana with the intent to distribute and possession of marijuana near a school. Police reported receiving a complaint of drug use at a location in Rock Hill, South Carolina, and when they arrived, they found two individuals that met the description that they were given in the woods near an elementary school. Now, along with these two suspects, the police found an orange Scooby-Doo lunchbox containing 128 grams of marijuana, 10 glass pipes, and three glass pipes with a hash residue inside. And, of course, the lunchbox was collected as evidence. And considering all that Scooby-Doo has done for law enforcement over the years and in solving mysteries, I take that as a kind of a personal affront that they were storing their narcotics and their drugs in a Scooby-Doo lunchbox. Speaking of storing drugs... Two other men were arrested after a vehicle search found some drugs. It's not much of a headline, but uh, the reality is in the further reading of the story. These two men were arrested in Santa Rosa County, Florida. The men were stopped by a state trooper for speeding about 25 miles an hour over the speed limit. 
The County Sheriff's Canine Unit was close by and they offered to assist the Florida State Trooper on the traffic stop. The traffic stop occurred on Interstate 10 and as you would guess a large amount of narcotics was discovered. But apparently there wasn't a need for bringing the, the drug dog out to search the vehicle. The illegal narcotics and drugs were located in bags that were labeled bag full of drugs. Their narcotics and contraband seized included 75 grams of meth, a hunt, excuse me, 136 kilograms of GHB, one gram of cocaine, 3.6 grams of fentanyl, 15 MDMA tablets and assorted other drug paraphernalia, all neatly stored in bags that were factory printed with the words bag full of drugs printed on the side. You have to admit, you've got a lot of gall or low intelligence to store your narcotics that way, your illegal contraband. Now this other story I've had, I've seen happen before. I've been lied to by individuals who have given me the wrong name. One gentleman uh, in a traffic stop several years ago gave me the name of his brother and his brother's driver's license number. The brother actually happened to be in the military and was overseas in Germany when I charged his brother with a crime and his brother ended up was using his name and had his brother's ID and they looked incredibly a lot alike. Anyway, Big Brother was not very happy about the situation and ended up bringing me back his little brother so that I could make the corrections on the citations and the, and the uh, criminal charges. Anyway, let's go to Texas for this story. Texas game warden stopped a pair of men who were fishing without a valid fishing license. Now this was last November. One of the men did not have any type of identification at all. Now there's a reason for that. He did know he had active warrants for his arrest on file and that was why he was not carrying ID. Now in an effort to deceive the law enforcement officer, he gave the game warden the name of a friend of his. Well, don't forget what your grandfather told you. Choose your friends carefully, especially if you're going to use their name. Unfortunately, the man whose name was given to the warden also had warrants out for his arrest. Now, I've seen this happen in Asheville. So he was arrested under his friend's name. Now, while he's being booked into jail under this false name, the man admitted that, well, you know, ah, I was lying. And so it ended up, not only was he booked under his real name for the original outstanding warrant, but he ended up being charged with resist, delay, and obstruct a police officer and law enforcement officer in the operation of his investigation. If he had just told the truth, things might have been a little bit easier for him. Let's move back to North Carolina. Kitty Hawk, North Carolina Police Department. Of course, Kitty Hawk. Location where the Wright brothers took the first powered flight. Their police department posted recently some advice 
for citizens about their pants. Yes, we're talking pants advice, and this is good advice to follow no matter where you're at. The post reads, We at the Kitty Hawk Police Department understand that some of North Carolina's laws may be confusing. We also understand that educating you about the laws when you are being placed into handcuffs might be a bit untimely. Yeah, it's a little late at that point. So, we thought if we could avoid more paperwork and you could avoid going to jail, we both win, according to Kitty Hawk, North Carolina PD. And they continue, so we have decided to post educational messages periodically on how to avoid going to jail. Here is the first of many to come. And the post continues. Prior to wearing someone else's pants, please remove all drugs, drug paraphernalia, stolen goods, or any other illegal item the owner may have left behind in those pants. The statement, these are not my pants, is not an affirmative defense. And then, of course, they say, well, I'm glad we can help. The Post concluded with a disclaimer. We are not attorneys nor non-attorney spokespersons. This message is not intended as legal advice. Please speak to an actual attorney prior to wearing someone else's pants with drug-filled pockets. Always good advice. Check with your attorney before you wear somebody else's pants when you're when there is narcotics involved or illegal contraband. Let's go a little north now. This past April, police officers in Crossville, Tennessee, arrested a woman after larceny of a vehicle that resulted in a police pursuit. Doesn't sound too unusual. Chasing police and police cars can be very dangerous, and officers have to use good judgment in starting and finishing such a pursuit. And a lot of times supervisors will contact the officer by radio and say disregard, stop the pursuit, when it is determined that the person that is being chased is placing their life and or the community's life or the police officer's life in too much jeopardy to continue the pursuit. Well, our defendant in this case, Sally Selby, took an electric shopping cart from the local Walmart store uh, early one morning and drove it down Highway 127. Luckily enough, there was a slow lane and she did keep the cart, electric shopping cart, in the slow lane. Police were notified and the, a pursuit ensued. The desperate woman fled at a very, very low speed. When officers were finally able to get her to stop, she reportedly told them that she had taken the cart from Walmart and was trying to drive to Waffle House to get a cup of coffee. Well, that makes sense to me. Now, when we talk about Waffle Houses, there is actually a whole section of crime that occurs at Waffle House. Waffle House is a great place to open 24-7, get food. The federal government actually judges or uses their 
system of whether the stores are open or not to help them determine FEMA uh, reactions to natural disasters. Amazing place. Did you know that Kid Rock was arrested in 2007 in a Waffle House in Georgia? He apparently, or is alleged to have beat up a man in the Waffle House there. The victim, a Mr. Harlan Atkins, accused Kid Rock of hitting him when he was approached by Mr. Atkins. Kid Rock said he only verbally, not physically, attacked Atkins, but was arrested about an hour later. Now, in 2008, he was sentenced to one-year probation and ended up paying a fine of $40,000. Well, that'll teach him. Meanwhile, at the South Carolina Waffle House, after a customer started arguing with a waitress who she said took too long to serve her, the waitress hit the customer over the head with a coffee pot. The incident took a place around 3 o'clock in the morning, go figure, in Beaufort, South Carolina, and I think I've been to that Waffle House. Fortunately, the customer was not seriously hurt, but the situation grew complicated for the waitress when the police officers arrived, and in the process of their investigation, they found the waitress in possession of marijuana. And here's where you can refer to the story, reference Kitty Hawk, North Carolina Police Department. Now, let's go farther south a little bit. Moving on to Georgia. This is this past November, four senior citizens used a Waffle House in Toccoa, Georgia as a meeting place for a terrorist plot against federal officials. Acting on a tip, which was probably the two older women who were sitting on the other side of the booth, probably next to the older gentleman. Anyway, the FBI ended up bugging the Waffle House booth that the senior citizens used on a regular basis. The recordings revealed that the elderly gentleman, believed to be part of a fringe militia group, had planned to kill other citizens and government officers using toxic agents. The men were arrested and charged in plots to purchase an unregistered explosive device, a firearm silencer, and material to manufacture the biological toxin ricin. Uh, This is all according to the FBI. Now, they made the arrest because it's not a good idea to underestimate an old man. And never, never underestimate a group of old men. Especially before 7 p.m. where they're generally hell on wheels. But then, of course, they had to be home early. Another Waffle House story starts out. A Florida man, which is always a good start for stories like this, tried to run over his wife during her shift as a Waffle House waitress. The husband ended up being charged with attempted murder and felony criminal mischief after he intentionally drove his 1987 Ford pickup truck through the wall of the the Waffle House building. This was in Panama City Beach, and I think I've been to that Waffle House, too. After crashing, the husband got out of the truck with a knife in hand and proceeded to attack his wife, 
Uh, customers eating at that time were able to disarm him, and the wife was struck by the car and taken to the hospital, but she did uh, recuperate there. If you're ever in a Waffle House, you might want to take a look around at the type of people that eat there. Probably one of the safest places you're going to be because a lot of those people don't take a lot of stuff from anybody. You come into the Waffle House and start waving a knife around, or better yet, you come into the Waffle House by driving your 1987 Ford pickup through truck through the window, uh, you're probably going to attract attention and really irk a lot of people who may not let you finish what you had originally planned on doing. Now everyone is familiar with the act of what's called dine and dash. Sounds cute, but it's still a larceny, still a crime. Three women at a Waffle House in Missouri the three tried to skip out on a $39 bill and the tip. Didn't leave the tip. The criminal masterminds returned back to the restaurant shortly after they had dashed to retrieve a purse that one of them had left behind. Now the three Al Capones fled for the second time after the manager called police and demanded they wait for their police's arrival. And they were able to get away again, but they forgot the purse again. So they were identified and charged for their activities. This is not a Waffle House story, but it's still very interesting and it's still very interesting and I would bet money on it that close to where it occurred there must be a Waffle House. Anyway, Athens, Georgia. Athens, Georgia's police uh, department was able to close a recent investigation and in making an arrest in a larceny of over 400 items that were stolen from a manufacturing plant there in the city of Athens. The investigation got a break when the stolen goods showed up at a local flea market in the city. Uh, the catch, or I guess you might say the punchline, the 400,000 items worth about 30, excuse me, worth $3,000 that were stolen and then recovered were toothpicks. And police believe it was an inside job. He stole $400,000 $400, toothpicks and then get busted at the flea market selling them. Okay. Houston, Texas. A Houston woman happened to be going to the bank at the same time some several individuals had decided and had arrived to commit a bank robbery at that bank. Terrified, the woman seeing what was happening fled the scene of the armed robbery in progress, ran out the front door literally screaming her head off at the top of her lungs. She jumped into the nearest vehicle which was unlocked and running at the curb and driving away she drove to a convenience store not far away, a couple of blocks away, ran into the store still screaming that the bank was being robbed by armed men and for someone to call the police. Now, that doesn't sound too unusual, but the robbers, after they had made their heist, 
and attempted their getaway with the stolen money ran outside the bank to make their escape, only to find that the woman who had been so terrified by their actions had fled in fear and done so in their getaway car. The bad guys had no ride, but on the bright side, police were soon there and were able to provide alternate transportation. Not necessarily where they wanted to go, but they still got a ride. A more recent incident that occurred that Victoria found for us, a Cherokee County Sheriff's Deputy in Georgia stopped a vehicle this past week for a moving violation. The occupant of the car fled on foot after the car stop. Further investigation by deputies found a quantity of illegal drugs that were left behind. Makes sense. Also forgotten, in his haste, the man left a scratch-off lottery ticket behind with the illegal drugs. And it turned out that ticket was a winning ticket. So the Sheriff's Department posted out and said that they would be happy to turn over the lottery ticket to the man who would run away, but they were going to keep the drugs. They would also like to talk to him about the topic of his cargo as well after they return him his lottery ticket. Truth is stranger than fiction, but it is because fiction is obligated to stick to actual possibilities and truth is not. Let's quote from uh, Mark Twain. Never say, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard or I've ever seen. Simply enjoy the bus ride because there are more idiots out there just around the corner and you ain't seen nothing yet. Guarantee it. Victoria, thank you for the stories and go ahead and get ready to close this out. If you're interested in more information on my podcast or on my books, they are available at scottlunsfordauthor.com or you can go to the website 542andtheblue.com, all spelled out, and find out a little more about past podcasts and some other information we have available for you guys. Be happy to hear from you. I can be contacted and reached through those uh, websites as well. And in the coming week, try your best, my friends, to be safe and be secure. And if you have the opportunity, do something nice for somebody. It'll make you feel good and most definitely make them feel good. And it's really just the right thing to do. All right, Victoria, close us out. This has been Victoria's LIC News. I mean 542 and the Blue. Your host, Scott Lunsford, retired police detective sergeant, researcher, and author of the Asheville Cop Mystery Book series, as well as the Young Persons series, The Girls from Gift. Girls. Investigating fantastic things. For more information, please go to 542andtheblue.com or scottlunsfordauthor.com where you can contact Scott by the webpage. This is Victoria, producer, sound engineer, and mastermind. Thank you for listening. 2. 1. N.